Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Now, it's your decision. It's your decision whether to live under the intimidation of that which the world is producing or to step back and step up into the glory of that which my spirit produces. For there is a grace for these days. And there is a provision for you, for your family, and for this church. So tap into it by faith. Declare it, we are protected of God. Declare it, we are prosperous in all things. Declare it, we'll evangelize this area and do our part to evangelize the world. Declare it and stand on your declaration and allow that which is in your heart to intimidate your enemy and push him back as he has tried to press upon you and say you cannot hear, you will not there, you can't do this or you can't do that. With everything that happens, you'll find a way to rejoice, to proclaim, and to demonstrate the glorious gospel of the living Son. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hebrews 11, we were there for our for our uh, offering scripture, and we're going to just continue to teach on faith. You know, it is such an important component. It is the component that taps into the great reservoir of God's provision for our lives. We've seen how it is not, uh, you know, an identifying feature of how you believe God, you know, whether you're a a Catholic or a Baptist or a Methodist. That's the... the, 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 uh, uh, term that has been coined or the phrase that has been coined of what faith are you? Well, I'm of the faith of God. I'm not going to put a denominational name in there. Denomination didn't save me. Jesus saved me. Amen. And understanding that and knowing that will break you free from the thought, the, uh, the religious thought of that's how religion thinks. Of what faith are you? Of what faith are you? Of what faith are you? Well, what do you mean of what faith am I? I'm of, I'm of the faith of God. And in reality, that is what God instructs us. There in Mark chapter 11, which is a very famous faith chapter, Jesus says in verse 22, have the faith of God. That's in the King James, but actually you read other translations, it actually says this, have the God kind of faith. So there's a what? There's a God kind of faith and there's a human kind of faith. The God kind of faith based upon the Word of God in which you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth and act. The head faith or human faith demands what? Senses. You've got to hear it, see it, taste it, smell it or feel it to believe it. Thank God all we need is the Word. Ought to get a better amen than that. I said all we need is the Word. So Hebrews 11, 1, so then... Now faith, here we go, I got all these scriptures running in my mind. Hebrews 11 verse 1, now faith is, now faith is, so faith is not what you did yesterday, doing tomorrow, it's what you're doing. Now faith is, now notice, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I love it in the Amplified. Now faith is, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, I like this, the title deed. Everybody say title deed. Say it again, title deed. It is the title deed of the things we hope for being the proof, the proof of things we do not see, the conviction of their reality 
faith receiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Now, you must understand faith is a divine substance given to us by God. We're going to study that in just a moment. You say, what do you mean? We didn't come up with the concept of faith and say, now this is how we're going to respond to God. We're going to make something up and, uh, you know, we're going to base it on the Bible. We're going to call it faith. We're going to use it. And we just hope, we just hope somehow uh, God recognizes it. No, no, no. Faith is God's idea. I said faith is God's idea. Let me say that again. Faith is God's idea, which makes it what? A heavenly substance. Faith is what? The substance of things. Now, here's the key. Hoped for. What is hope? Expectation. What is your expectation? If you don't have an expectation, faith doesn't have any highway to travel down. Amen. I know there's people here at Island Church, especially this year, we've been teaching on healing during our... uh, uh, On our third Sundays when we have Mission Sunday and then we have Communion Sunday that night. We've been teaching on divine healing. There are people here that that have had diseases in their body. They're not possessing them. They're attacking them. Amen. But they've had them there for years. Arthritis, diabetes, things like that. But faith keeps coming and coming and coming and coming. And if you'll let it keep coming and coming and then understand the principles of how it works, you'll tap into the reservoir of God's healing provision and it will run diabetes out of your body, arthritis out of your body, or any other disease out of your body. But you've got to learn the principles that do that. I've heard people say, well, I'm just trusting God to see what he's going to do. Well, you're not going to get anything. I gave the illustration in the early service. I was in Tennessee conducting a revival in a, in a Pentecostal denominational church. And I knew when I walked in there, I was, it, it was pretty tough. I mean, there people kind of just kind of sitting there like, you know, and I was like, oh boy, that's going to be a task. So I said this. I said, I'm going to teach, it was a Sunday through Wednesday, just a night service, we weren't doing day service. I said, I'm going to teach Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night on faith. And I'm not going to minister to anybody till Wednesday night. And you could tell people they, they had needs they wanted to be ministered to. And Wednesday night, man, we had a line that went across that place. And we started down at this end of the line. And man, people began to receive. People began to rejoice. And we, I got to right about the middle of the auditorium. And there a young lady stood. And I just made this statement to her. I said, what gives you the right to think that you can be healed tonight? And immediately she began to cry. She began to cry, and oh, it was just one of those sobbing, well, and then she looked at me with the tears just rolling off of her face and dripping off of her chin and said, well, I'm God's child, aren't I? Obviously, she didn't get anything. Obviously, she sat in all those services and didn't get one thing from God. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, first of all, listen to the question, I'm God's child, and then she's asking me. Aren't I? Well, you know, you try to help people all you can to get them in a place where they can receive from God. But your faith is based on the reality of what you believe according to the Word of God. Listen, this is your portfolio of title deeds. What if somebody walked up to you after the service and they had this beautiful notebook and it was full of all this legal documentation and it was a portfolio of title deeds to all kinds of good stuff for your life. 
a new car, a new home. Here's a, here's a deed for a home. Here's, look, 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 sweetheart. Here's two brand new cars. Here's the title deed. Look, here's a, here's a, here's a, a, a number for a, for a, a, what do you call it? A safe deposit box full of cash money. Oh, look here. Look, and you go through it. Man, you, you wouldn't make it out the door. You'd be out there in the visitor center going through that thing page after page after page after page, looking at all the title deeds you were just given. What do you think the Bible is? And in the natural, if somebody did give you a portfolio like that, you'd have to still act on every one of those title deeds. You could stick that thing under your arm and go home and throw it up on the church, uh, up on the shelf, and it wouldn't do you a bit of good. You'd have to get it out. You'd have to call the different places that issue the title. You'd have to go down, sign their paperwork, and then you'd have to pick up what's yours. Same thing with the Word of God. This Word is full of your title deed for healing, your title deed for prosperity, your title deed for your marriage, for your family, for your business, for everything you need. There is a title deed in the Word of God for it, and all you got to do is learn how to appropriate what the title deed says you have. Amen? Faith is what? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, go to Romans chapter 12. Then we'll go to Ephesians after that. How's my time? I'm doing good. These are just basic, simple principles of faith. And if you know these things, it's good to review them. Because there is an element of repetition that you need to appropriate into your life when it comes to these spiritual things. Let me say this. I'm going to uh, expound on this much more on Thursday night. But listen, your life, your spiritual life has to come up to another level. It must come up to another level. You say, why? The day demands it. The hour demands it. What's going on in the earth demands it. It demands that you live a higher level spiritually than you've ever lived in your life. The Word of God, prayer, you say why? Because the enemy is literally unleashing forces. And listen, you don't have to unleash it against the world. The world's already caught up in that. He's unleashing it against the church because the church is the entity that that restrains him upon the earth. And if they're busy dealing with all kinds of problems, he's not going to be restraining the devil. But here we've been, listen, we've been restraining him all year long in our prayer and in our intercession and in our teaching of the word of God. We've been holding back that which the enemy would like to do. And the good news is we're fixing to experience a breakthrough around here in which the power of God's going to manifest and everything he's tried to do is going to turn around and we're going to receive the benefit of everything we've labored for in the spirit. Oh, I ought to get a better amen than that. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Uh, Amplified says, which is spiritual worship. You say, what does that mean? Use your body for righteousness. Your hands used to what? Your hands used to open the bottle and pour it down. Don't do that no more. Lift them to Jesus. Can I get a better amen? Your hand used to roll up the reefer. Well, don't do it no more. Use it to turn the pages of the Bible. Your feet used to take you to the beer joint, to the, to the drug dealer's house. Don't do that no more. Let it bring you to the church. You let your body be what? A, a living sacrifice unto God. And God says, that's spiritual worship unto me. That's how to control your body. Amen. Then it says this. Be not conformed to this world. The Lord spoke this to me. He said, there is going to be a demand for confirmation in the world system. That means you must do this. You must do that. We're seeing the deterioration of freedoms so quickly, so fast. 
It is amazing how the freedoms of yesterday and the decades gone by are eroding right in front of our eyes. Some of them may challenge us as a church. You say, what do you mean? Freedom to gather, freedom to worship, freedom to study and proclaim the Word of God. There are things in the Word of God that according to the world system and its confirmation to the devil and his way of doing things, we are in direct opposition to that. Amen? You wanted to be alive at this day. Here you are. Amen? Glory to God. So be not conformed to this world, but there's, thank God where there's not confirmation, there's transformation. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, here's verse 3 is where I want to get to. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, man is mankind, men and women, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man or woman the measure of faith. Everybody say the measure of faith. Say, I have a measure. Say, I have a measure. Say, I have a measure. Now, it's what you do with that measure. Two schools of thought. That the fallen human race, because of the innocence of the children when they're born in creation, and all that goes on, that there is an untapped reservoir or unawakened reality in the hearts of every person born on the earth, and that's faith. Second school of thought, man, does ha- man has no faith, but when the message is preached, faith is awakened in their heart. Well, who cares as long as we get faith? I ain't going to split the church. We believe this way, and if you don't believe that way, then get out. No, no. As long as we've got faith, God has dealt to every one of us a measure of faith. We just need to leave it right there. We've got a measure of faith. Thank God. We, so we want to see it increased. We want to see it activated. We want to see it work. And we want to receive the blessing. So God has dealt to every man or woman the measure of faith. But what are you going to do with that measure? Notice what it says. It says for us, number one, to think soberly according to. Soberly according to. That means you've got to rid yourself of religious thinking. I mentioned the little little lady in the the prayer line in, in, in Tennessee, Humboldt, Tennessee. That's where it was. I tried to remember this morning. Couldn't remember. Humboldt, Tennessee, standing there in the prayer line. Well, I'm his, I'm his child, aren't I? Just weeping. I'm his child, aren't I? That's not sober. That's not sober. You're under the influence of religious thinking. We know we're his children. You don't have to ask the preacher. Amen. Secondly, this is, this is where a lot of people lose it. You don't need emotions to receive from God. Thank God for emotions. When the Holy Ghost of man, I've wept, I've laughed, I've ran, I've, I've had all kind of emotions serving God. But when it comes to faith, listen, if emotions could get you something from God, I'd cry myself a fortune. People do not receive based on your emotion or your ability to produce some type of emotion down at an altar. You receive by faith. 
I was telling the story in the early service about a, we were preaching in an old Pentecostal church in, in Greeley, Colorado. And uh, the pastor, he, the, a pastor that had pioneered the church was there 40 years, was still in the church, but had gotten elderly. They hired a new pastor. He'd been there about seven years. And so somehow, I forget how they found out about us, but we went and we were teaching on faith. And one night we were ministering to people. The power of God was in manifestation. And, and, and a guy came up and I reached out to pray for him and he just kind of went crazy. He kind of did all these contusions and made these noises and, and so I just kind of reached up and kind of touched him and I said stop that and boy you could have heard a pin drop in that crowd and so I reached my hand out again and man here he goes again doing all this stuff man and, I, and I'm like the second time I kind of hit him a little hard I said stop that the third time he did it I grabbed him by the lapels of the coat pulled him up next to me and I said stop that and I set him back and he kind of when he took a breath, I reached out and touched him. Boom, he hit the floor. Well, that night we went to a fellowship at the pastor's house. The pastor, he's walking to me. I thought, oh, I'm in trouble now. He said, why did you do that to that man? I said, what do you mean? He said, that man that was up there doing that. He said, well, I said, well, he was, that wasn't God. He was just distracting everybody and the, it was uh, disrupting the service. And that's, that's not the Holy Ghost. That pastor looked at me and said, I'm so glad you did that. He said, that man's been doing that ever since I got here. And every time he does that, the, the crowd thinks it's the Holy Ghost and it doesn't produce anything but a bunch of people laying on the altar and weeping and crying. There's nothing about God that's in it. I said, well, did you say anything to him? He said, I went up to him. I said, what do you think about what that man did? He said, well, I don't know about what he did, but all I know is my foot's healed. He'd had problems with his foot for three years. I finally got him to a place where he could receive from God. He wasn't sober. See, there's all kinds of things that make us think we can receive from God. Our need crying out to God. Well, I got this big need. Surely God's going to do something. Yes, he will according to your faith. Well, I don't have to do none of that believing in my heart and confess it with my mouth because God has mercy. Yes, he does. But if you have knowledge of what to do, you are responsible for that knowledge. Amen. So God deals to every man the measure. Everybody say, I've got the measure. Say, I've got the measure. Say, I've got the measure. Now go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 there in verse 8. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Verse 9. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, notice this. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's not of human origin. You didn't make it up. That's not how you decided to respond to God. It is how God has made a way for you to respond to Him. It is not of yourself. It is a gift from God. Now, what is the gift from God? There's a law, what's called a law of double reference in this scripture. Meaning that both grace, everybody say grace, and faith, everybody say faith, is a gift from God. The grace, see a lot of times we don't understand how grace works. Man, there was some crazy stuff written about grace a couple of years ago and it really messed up a lot of people. But listen, we are living in a dispensation. Everybody say dispensation. That means a set, a set apart period of time. It's gone on for 2,000 years. Jesus declared it. He called it the acceptable year of the Lord. 
That's what we're living in right now. Not the day of judgment, not the day of... No, we're living in the acceptable year of the Lord where there is a great dimension of grace that has been placed upon the earth. Did you know that's why the population has grown upon the earth? The population didn't grow much in the first 4,000 years after creation because I'm telling you, every time people were born, the devil was busy killing them. The great Babylonian, the Grecian, the, uh, the Roman, the, uh, all these different, the Egyptian, all these empires, they killed their own people and killed everybody else they could get their hands on. But in this dispensation, there is grace. Now you think about your life before you got saved. How many stupid things did you do that could have got you killed, that could have put you in the penitentiary, that could have done all kind of crazy things in your life, but somehow, some way, you didn't die in that car wreck, you didn't overdose on those drugs, you didn't have this happen, you didn't have that happen, because grace was upon you, and it was an unearned, unmerited force from God that he puts on the entire earth because he died for the whole world. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of repentance. He wants the gospel to go forth into the entire world so everyone will have an opportunity to get saved by faith. This scripture refers to a grace set up for us by Jesus and his work that faith taps into. One translation actually says, faith is the reservoir Excuse me. Grace is the reservoir of all the goodness of God and faith taps into it so you can turn it on in your life. I believe I'd figure it out. Amen. It's really very simple. So faith is a gift from God. Grace is a gift from God. And how much more powerfully should grace work for you now that you have a revelation of it, and now that you know how to tap into it. When people come and get saved, their faith appropriates the grace of God. Healing power in your body, your faith appropriates the grace of God. Being delivered from drugs or alcohol or any perverse lifestyle, faith can activate the grace of God, and the power of God is released. Amen? Now, we know Romans 10, 17. This is where we're going to pick it up next week, but I'll close with this. Romans 10, 17 says this. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So these simple things that we're studying this morning reveal unto us, number one, faith is of God. Everybody say, faith is of God. It's not a religious expression that humanity has made up. It's something that God says, this is how I am. This is how I want you to be. This is how I bring things into existence. This is how you tap into my provision. Amen? Then faith comes. Faith is not learned. Faith comes. Now, we learn about faith, but faith is not based on what we learn when it comes to application. Our faith is that which is revealed to us by the Scriptures. So the basis for all of your faith needs to be what? Revelation of the Word of God. Do you have scriptural basis for what you believe in? If you do not have scriptural basis for what you believe, then you do not have a platform for faith to operate. Now, I'm going to give this illustration, then we'll come back next week and pick up in Romans 10, 17. How many like milk? You drink milk or you use it in a coffee or, you know, whatever. You, Amen? Okay, with that being said and all the hands that were lifted, how many have a cow? You have a cow? There's always someone in a service. 
Someone else has it. Two people have a cow. But most of us do not have a cow. And this is interesting. When you go to the store to buy milk, there are not cows at the store. Now, just think if that's the way it was, you know, you go in there and, you know, there's cows standing there in stalls and they give you a bucket and, you know, it's a nickel a pull, you know, till you fill the bucket up. Amen. So what is the source of milk? Does anybody know? Source of milk is a cow. It's not a trick question. It's really pretty easy. Everybody looking at everybody knows me, you know. The source of milk is a cow, but you don't have a cow. But you want some milk. So what you do is you go to the store, and what they've done is they have packaged milk in a container. That container can be cooled. The milk has been processed and pasteurized so that it doesn't go sour in a couple of days. And you go and you get your promised land or whatever else kind of milk that you like, and it's right there. You take it home, you put it on your cereal, put it in your coffee, and you're enjoying the benefit of the cow, which you never even saw, that gave you the milk that you're now drinking. Amen? Now, you have that same type of packaging with faith. Faith is packaged in the Scripture or in the Word of God. It is a gift from God. Faith is of God, but God's in heaven. That's, that's why you can't go, oh God, give me faith. You know what he's going to do? He said, go to that book right there. There's your carton of faith right there. There's your carton of faith. What you got to do is what? Same thing you do with the milk. You can go home and you can set the carton of milk on the table. You can put your cereal next to it and you can step back and say, okay, now. Okay, now. So, well, I know, I'll put my coffee on the other side. Put your coffee on this side, milk on the, I mean, uh, coffee in the, on this side, milk in the middle, cereal on this side, step back and go, okay, now. You will find that it takes a little effort to open the coffee and pour out the portion that you need. And then, actually, are you ready? Partake. Faith is the same way. That's why we encourage people to read the Word, to study the Word, to meditate on the Word, to come to the church and have the Word of God taught to you and preached to you so you can understand the concepts and the precepts of faith. And while you're sitting there, the Holy Ghost is brooding over a service looking for open hearts and ears that hear. So, many times we revert back to listening to messages preached and not hearing what the Holy Ghost is saying. Let me say that again. Many times we revert back to listening. Amen. I mean, there's been times when Leah has been talking to me and I was listening. But I didn't hear a word she said. You say why? Because she was usually, as usual, per her and Breland, they were instructing me (laughs) on not only what to do, but how to do it. And I'm sitting there watching somebody kill a big buck in South Texas on TV, and she's over there. All I hear is... (laughs) And after about... 
10 minutes. She's going, you had not heard a word I said. No, I've not heard. And you can tell I have not heard because I have not gotten up out of the chair and done what you want me to do the way I do it, the way you want me to do it. Many times that's the way it is with God. We sit there and he's speaking and speaking and speaking, but we're distracted. That's why many times it is your problem that is your greatest distraction. The enemy trying to do what? Steal the word from your heart. Because he knows if that person really believes the word, confesses the word, acts upon the word, if the word really becomes real in their heart, then I have no control over them. I cannot use any situation to tear their life up. They'll be an overcomer in everything that they face, and I will have no ability to destroy their life. That's why Satan fights faith so hard. Many churches, I mean, they they relegated faith to a movement that took place back in the 80s and 90s. Well, remember the faith movement? I didn't know there was a faith movement. Amen? I came in teaching and preaching the Word of God. Our parents and our grandparents lived and operated by faith as an example to our generation, to our, to my brother and my sister, myself, we're doing that to our children. We're living as an example by faith so that they can see and understand this is the way to respond to God is with the faith of God that he imparts into our hearts. Amen? And in so doing, you live a lifestyle of faith. It does not become a spiritual product you keep on the shelf. You have faith? Yeah, but I don't need any faith. So, uh, see, there's my faith for healing, my faith for finance. No, you can't do that. Faith is a lifestyle. Jesus said this, when I return, will I find what upon the earth? Piety, holiness, worship? Will I find faith upon the earth? For without faith, it is impossible to please him. But thank God, you flip that truth around, what does it mean? Faith pleases God. And you can be pleasing to God no matter what's going on in your physical body, in your mind, in your finances, at your business. Take the word of God here and act upon it. That's what faith is. It is the acted upon word of God. Believe it in your heart. Confess it with your mouth. Act upon it. And faith comes into being. And you can get a miracle. You can receive the provision of God. And God's blessing will flow into your life. Amen? Lift your hands and thank God. Father, we thank you. Thank you for faith. Thank you for faith. We're saved. Faith, saving faith, healing faith, baptized in the Holy Ghost faith, gifts of the Spirit faith, faith to prosper, faith to please you, Lord, faith to walk out and work out our salvation. We thank you for it, Father. We worship you. We glorify your name. We exalt you, Lord. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. And Lord, for us as we leave today, thank you for your provision of safety and protection. By faith, we act upon it in Jesus' name. No evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. We declare whether we travel on the highways, the byways, the seaways, the airways, or any other way of travel or transportation, we are blessed, protected, and safe. Thank you in the righteous labor of our hands this week. Those that work in, uh, with employment, those that have their own businesses, everyone in the congregation right now that handles the righteous provision of God. No evil, no plans of the devil, no accidents. We stand against this foul virus. 
In the name of Jesus, you shall not come and attach or attack our bodies in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you as we leave today by faith. There is a wonderful door of utterance as we go from the walls of this church and take this glorious message, proclaiming and demonstrating the goodness of God. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you for it, Lord God. Father, we leave today walking in faith and love towards you, in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.